Amen. Thank you. Platform workers, thank you for your generosity uh, tonight. Amen. Genesis 3, if you got your Bible, uh, if you got your Bibles, amen, Genesis 3. I said this morning I'm going to preach on marriage tonight. Actually, I want to preach a sermon that titles, The Enemy in Your Marriage. Is the enemy in your marriage out of Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Genesis 3, our text says, Eve was deceived and Adam was disobedient. Now, I want you to remember that. Eve was deceived and Adam was disobedient. So there's a truth here. Deception and disobedience is the fertile soil where curses live and multiply. Immediately after Adam and Eve sinned, torment, fear, pain, isolation, accusation, and blame begin. And we say they're not running to God, but they're running away from God. They're hiding from God. So we see these two things as a bad makeup for marriage. Our text shows us something about ourselves, man and woman, husband and wife, something that we need to see so that we don't become deceived and disobedient in our lives. So uh, we need to pay attention to what Scripture says tonight. So let's read Genesis chapter 3. We'll read together and start in verse, start verse 1. So now the servant was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Hath God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the servant, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which in the midst of the garden God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." So the women saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eye. A tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat of? Then the man said, The woman who you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put into me between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrows, and and in your conception, uh, in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be to your husband, and he will rule over you. Then, the, to, then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and eat from the tree which I commanded you, saying you should not eat of it, curse is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to, for, uh, for you, and you shall eat the herbs of the field, and the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. Dust for dust you are, and dust you shall return. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking you tonight 
God, to speak to every man, woman, every couple, every marriage here, husband and wife, I pray, God, speak, make yourself real. God, give us wisdom and revelation. I bind deception, disobedience. I break its power. God, I'm asking you, God, to help us, God, to be servants, to be prayerful tonight. In Jesus' name, God, people say amen. So let's look first at the couple, Adam and Eve tonight, the couple. Genesis 2 in the garden, Adam was under God's command. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So it wasn't that, uh, that Adam just made a mistake here. He was under God's command. He knew exactly what God said. God said, I'm putting you in the garden to tend to work it, uh, and you can eat of all the trees but this one. He knew the command of God. He knew the word of God. So it wasn't like Adam didn't know. So when Adam took of the fruit uh, of the tree and ate, he was saying to God, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to rebel. I'm going to be disobedient. I'm going to take my chances outside of the will of God. He said all that when he took the fruit. He was saying, God, I don't need you anymore. I can do this my own way. I have my own ideas, uh, and I'm going to rebel, and I'm going to live that way. You know, at least with Eve, Satan had to talk to a serpent, convince her that God was holding back, play on her emotions, give her a false promise. Uh, uh, all it took for Adam to rebel and disobey was Eve saying, here, some fruit, you want to eat it. I took it from the tree that God said not to, but here it is, and he took and ate it. So Adam was a willful disobedience. It wasn't talked into. It wasn't tricked. Uh, anything. He simply willfully disobeyed God. You know, for a man that has been walking with God, doing the will of God, experiencing miracles, uh, uh, where was the breakdown? For all this to be taking place in his life, where was the breakdown? Why did he now decide uh, to walk away, rebel, and disobey God? Why now? What happened, uh, what the man of God would say, I'm going to disobey God. I believe the answer is seen in our text, verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Uh, verse 12. Then the man said, the woman who you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. A couple of things stand out here. One uh, is there's no humility at all in Adam. I mean, God's talking to him. There's no humility. Two, there's no reverence. And three, there's no repentance. There's only fear, hiding, and blaming. Uh, you would think that Adam would be on his knees. God, forgive me. I'm so sorry uh, that I touched the tree, that I violated your command. But there's none of that there. There's no humility at all. He's talking to God like we'd talk to somebody else. I'm not sure that Adam lost these things, but there are some things I don't see in Adam's life that men need. If we're going to have humility, if we're going to have reverence and repentance, uh, there's one thing, there's a couple things we need. And one thing that we don't see in Adam's life, there's no record of Adam praying. There's no recorded record of Adam ever praying to God uh, building a relationship uh, uh, really outside of God coming to him in the cold of the day. There's no prayer life. There's no 
a calling out to God from his life, and two, there's no altar for repentance. Although sin was not entered the garden yet, temptation was there. So there's a truth here. Men, if you don't have a prayer life, you don't have strength to fight off temptation. So Adam, I believe Adam's big uh, 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 mistake was he never established a prayer life. Listen, there was never a prayer life. There's never a calling out to God. And listen, men, uh, I'm talking to men right now. Men, when you miss that, you miss all the other. You miss the humility. You miss the reverence. You miss uh, the repentance. When you don't have a prayer life, you miss all of that. And it's easy to say, no, God, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to do it my way because there's no prayer life. Uh, there's no relationship with God. It's easy just to talk to God, just to say anything you want uh, because the prayer life, uh, uh, there's a lot you get in a prayer life. I'll mention that in a moment. Matthew 26, 40, Jesus came to his disciples, found them sleeping, and said to Peter, why could you not watch or pray with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, if you have no prayer life, you're going to sleep uh, and fall into temptation. And how many men today uh, are disobeying God, have fallen away from God simply because they have no prayer life? And you talk to them, there's no humility, there's no reverence, there's no repentance. Uh, and so I believe uh, when a prayer life is absent, these things can happen. So men, we need a prayer life because in every man there's desire to do things our own way. Within every man there is a desire to rebel against God. Uh, uh, I'm going to do this my way. This is what I think. Uh, this I'm going to do. You may not say that openly to God, but in every man uh, it's there. In every man there's a disobedience uh, uh, waiting to come forth, wanting to come forth, uh, uh, it's there, because that's how God made the man. We want to do things, grab a hold of the bull, so to speak. But prayer keeps us humble. In prayer, we get a reverence for God, and in prayer, it gives us a repenting heart before God. As I pray, uh, it keeps this old man crucified. It keeps that desire uh, to be a rebel. It keeps that desire to do things that I just want to do. Uh, it keeps it all in check. When I have a prayer life, God is able uh, man, I have a reverence for God. There's a humility that every man needs, and we get this in a prayer life. Heart of repentance. Men that don't pray don't repent. I've seen it too many times. Men that don't pray don't repent. I'll say it again. And then they wonder why life is falling apart because there's, no, there's not these needed things. Adam didn't, this didn't happen in a day, but it happened. See, prayer, one, is building a loving, trusting, and challenging relationship with God. In prayer, every morning as I pray to church, uh, I, I mean, there's a loving, trusting, challenging relationship being built at this altar between me and God. Uh, I feel it every morning as I'm here, there's times where God will challenge me. There's times where God will, uh, there's a trust that's being built. There's a love for God that uh, all that's happening in prayer. In prayer, God speaks, gives revelation, uh, and challenges us to be faithful. And if a man don't have that, two, prayer makes men strong. Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong, Lord, in the power of his might. Uh, a man is foolish to think that he can stand on his own. 
Men, we're foolish when we think, listen, uh, I can skip prayer, uh, I'm okay. I can do this without God's help. Uh, no, you can't. We can't be the men that we need to be, uh, and especially the husband and fathers we need to be without a prayer life. Prayer opens our eyes to the forces of darkness that we fight against. Verse 12, Ephesians 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand uh, or withstand the evil day, having done all to stand. So prayer opens our eyes to that stuff. That we're not just fighting uh, the wife, the kids, the work. Uh, we're fighting some demonic forces here. We're fighting some powerful forces that are up against all the things that we traffic in life, but it's a supernatural battle. Our text here, because Adam had no prayer life, he had no dominion. And he disobeyed God that easy, that quick. Here, you want it? Yeah, let me have a bite of it. No thought of destiny. No thought of what this is going to do to their marriage. No thought of anything. Yeah, just let me have a bite of it. I've seen it happen many times over. Men disobey simply, give me a bite of it. Let's look at Eve here. Just the Bible uh, gives us some good insight into the man, it also gives us some good insight to the woman here. Eve was made to be Adam's helpmate. I mentioned this last week. I want to mention it again if he wasn't here. Uh, Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, I said last week, helpmate by definition in our dictionary means uh, a helpful uh, companion or partner. That's what you're supposed to be in the marriage, ladies. Not the leader, not the commander, the helper. You're the helpmate comparable uh, to him. But the Bible meaning of helpmate is much deeper. In Hebrew, the word helpmate comes from two words, uh, uh, Elzer, or Ezer, if I say it right, and Canigo. Uh, the word Elzer appears 21 times in the Bible. It means to rescue and to save and to be strong. Two times uh, Ezer is used to describe the woman. Three times to describe military support. And 16 times it talks about the saving help of God. So in a marriage, uh, the wife can save her husband here. She can come along beside him with some wisdom, with some strength, uh, and save him, rescue him. That's the definition of this Hebrew word. The second definition, uh, it means opposite of him. And the example given uh, uh, would be two wings on a bird. Uh, they're not the same, but they are equal. They correspond with each other. Both are useful for flight, uh, but they're not identical. When both are used together, they accomplish one purpose. That's a helpmate. You're to fly. You're the second wing in the marriage. You're the strength you can save. Uh, you can rescue. Uh, in a sense, you can come into that marriage and be that blessing to that man uh, because God says not good not to have that. As I said, a man, uh, I mentioned it last week, uh, we can live in caves. We can live in our garage. We can live under a greasy car. Uh, but the wife pulled us out of that. She helps us. It's time to eat. You need to clean up, put a tie on. Uh, time for church. Now, helpmate is not second place, ladies, but it's a role in the marriage. Adam came first. He was, the, he was placed in the garden to do a work for God. 
Eve was created for the man uh, to complete him and to be his helpmate. So ladies, women uh, have a different role than a man in the marriage. Men are taken out of the dirt uh, and formed by God's hands to work a field. Listen, men are just a, a, a dirt pile God put together. Go to work. Men are simple. We're practical. Do that. Okay, no problem. And we go do it. Go work. Make some money. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, ladies are complicated. And I'll get into that. And God made you that way. Eve was made from the tender rib taken out of the man. She's like, she, like the rib cage, has strength. Uh, uh, her strength comes from the inner. She protects the vitals in the home as the rib cage protects uh, the vitals in the body, the heart and the lungs. Uh, uh, God made Eve to be a nurturer. This speaks of her femininity, uh, her attributes and her behavior. Biologically, uh, God made women different as evident. Amen. Women don't look like men. Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> women have estrogen, uh, which plays a, a various roles in her body. It helps develop and maintain both a reproductive system uh, and other female characteristics. Women have a greater ability to be gentle, to show empathy and sensitivity than do men. Uh, so God made the man uh, and placed him in a role. God made the woman and placed her in a role. And together they're the wings. Yeah. And together they can fly and accomplish uh, and, and complete a mission that God has, has put them on. When Peter said in 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as a weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. He wasn't insulting the woman here. The reason Satan went after Eve in the garden, listen here, ladies, and not Adam, is because she's more gentle, sensitive, and shows empathy. Because the lady's more sensitive uh, uh, to the surroundings. She's more gentle. Uh, there's just a natural empathy that comes from her, uh, uh, more than the man. Satan deceived Eve. Listen to how he did it. By coming to her as a harmless serpent. He played on her empathy. The serpent that can speak in holy conversation. A serpent that appeared to know more about God in eternity than she did. And because she was sensitive and had empathy, she listened uh, and was deceived. Uh, amen. So... Uh, uh, so, that's just truth there. Amen. But Eve had a few things wrong that left her vulnerable here. One, Eve, like Adam, had no prayer life. There's no record of Eve ever praying. Let me say this to the ladies. It's not just a man that needs to pray. Well, my husband prays. Well, I'm glad he does. But listen, not just a husband needs to pray. Ladies, because of your sensitivity, uh, especially your empathy and your gentleness, Satan is going to come uh, with deception and lie to you about your marriage, about your destiny, your children, and all kinds of things. Uh, you need a prayer life. I've seen women fall, and I've seen women get deceived and believe uh, and gossip, all kinds of things. And, and I look at her life, she's not praying. Prayer is a powerful thing, whether you're a man or a woman. Uh, you need a relationship with God. Again, prayer gives you a humility uh, where you stay in your roles, it gives you a reverence to God and a repenting heart. And without prayer, listen, you're not going to fulfill your, your role. 
without prayer, you're not going to be the person that God has called you to be, uh, and you're going to be in trouble. Two, Eve doesn't go to her husband. When the serpent came around, Eve said, I can handle I don't need him. I don't need my husband here. Eve should have said, Adam, hey, the serpent's talking to me. And one, he's telling me things about God that I know is not true. And ladies, you need your husband whether you think you do or not. Come on. That's a good place to say amen, ladies. You need your husband's covering. I know you think, hey, I can outpray him. I can outdo this. But listen, you need your husband. And she should have called him, but she didn't. And she got deceived. Your husband can cover you and keep you from deception. He can keep you from the trickery of hell uh, if you will involve him here. Look secondly at the marriage. I've got to move quick here. We bring who we are into the marriage. Now I want you to think about that. You bring who you are into the marriage. Adam doesn't pray and he's disobedient. Eve doesn't pray and she's deceived. And now this is in their marriage. You know, marriage is hard enough. Don't give the devil an open door in your marriage. You know, marriage is hard enough. Come on. I mean, you got two selfish people living under one roof trying to make it work. You've got two personalities, uh, two people that think their way is always the best way. Uh, and you got and, and and listen, if you're not praying, you bring this into the marriage, it's in trouble. There's a truth here I want to look at. God expects both of you in the marriage to be spiritual. God expects you to be a spiritual man, a spiritual woman. He expects that. Matter of fact, he demands that. We see this in Scripture. Uh, you can't just say, well, my husband prays, he reads his Bible. Or my wife does it, I don't have to. No, God expects both of us to be spiritual in, in marriage. Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. He doesn't say men or women there. He says you, meaning everybody. God expects every man, every woman, every Christian uh, to be spiritual, make no provision for the flesh, uh, to fill its love. You put on Christ to avoid that. Uh, when, you, when you're spiritual, uh, it plays out in your marriage, it plays out in the home, it plays out in every arena of life. But when you're not spiritual, same thing happens. I've seen marriages in trouble simply because one's not spiritual. Romans 12, 1, 2, but let's read verse 3 as well. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. God expects this. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Verse 3. So I say, though uh, through the uh, grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt with each, each one a measure of faith. You become spiritual in a relationship with God. You get that as you have a relationship with God, you become a spiritual person, uh, and God demands it. Most of the time in marriage, uh, what messes up in marriage is simply one is not being spiritual, and sometimes both are not being spiritual. That's why the problems are there. So God expects both to pray, you might want to write these down to read your Bible. God expects this. God expects you to be faithful, be obedient, live clean, serve, give, love people. God expects that. 
and he can't expect that because he saved us. Uh, the Bible said we're bought the price for not our own, uh, but we belong to the Lord. So God can expect this from us. You know, the truth about the Bible is spiritual food for all believers. When you read uh, where God spoke to Joshua to meditate on the word of God day and night, uh, he said it will make your way successful. That's for everybody. That's not just for Joshua. It's the spiritual food for all of us. Uh, when Jesus told his disciples that uh, they had, if they had a faith the size of mustard seed, they could say to a mountain, be removed. That's for all of us. When the lady with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd to touch Jesus, uh, that needs to be in all of us. When David said, your lamp uh, is a light into my path, uh, that's for all of us. We're, it's the Bible's spiritual food for all of us. And we're all to digest the Word of God, uh, to take it in and to be a spiritual man and a spiritual woman. Listen, your marriage has to have spiritual roots because Satan's going to come and test it. He's going to come around. If you don't have any spiritual roots, just like, a, just like any other plant don't have any roots, it's easily just knocked over. When something's got roots or strength, when something's got roots, so you've got to pry and pull and... and, and it takes a lot of work, doesn't it? He's going to save the man when he comes around. Disobey God. Do it yourself. Step out on your own. You don't have to do that. You're going to try to hold a conversation with the woman. Did God really say to love that man? You don't really need that husband. Let him go. Listen, without spiritual roots, you may find yourself exactly where Adam and Eve found themselves. Ephesians 5 is hard to get our mind around if we don't have spiritual roots. Look what it says here. Husband, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. If you don't have spiritual roots, that'll mess you up. If you don't think spiritually, if you don't understand God, uh, you don't understand Scripture a little bit, have a relationship with God, that will mess you up. For the husband's the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, uh, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ... Let the wives be their own husband in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. But without spiritual roots, it's hard to get our mind around that. Uh, it's hard to get this relationship called marriage uh, on track, moving in the things of God and the, the direction of God without spiritual roots. You know, one of the biggest problems I see in marriage is not that they don't love each other, but they don't have spiritual roots. They just don't have any spiritual roots. Listen, when you're both spiritual, praying, reading your Bible, faithful, serving, giving, loving people, you're strength for each other or to each other. Ecclesiastes 4.12 Though one may overpower another, two can withstand him. And a three-forward cord is, is not broke, or cord is not broken quickly. What that's saying, when you and your spouse are one, you're strong. When it's you, your spouse, and God, you're unbreakable. But when you're by yourself, and in a marriage, you need each other, but you need God if you're not going to be broken. God intended for marriage to be a blessing. 
It's through the marriage that God intended to populate the world and establish his testimony in the earth. Genesis 1.26, then God said, Let's make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over their, all the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. He created, uh, he created them uh, uh, to be fruitful and multiply. Or verse 28, then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. God's intention to bring the world to in a place of dominion and spiritual is through marriage. Think about how vital your marriage is, how it needs to be healthy. You know, the curse in verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. You shall eat the herbs of the field and the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. That should have never been in the Bible. God never intended for that to be in the Bible. Amen. The curse was never God's idea. Amen. The curse again came from a disobedient man uh, and from a woman that was willfully deceived. Uh, uh, amen. And when these two come together, there's the, there's the reality of curses. So get some spiritual roots in yourself and in your marriage that your life and your marriage can be blessed by God and not cursed. It's easy to be blessed by God. Just simply become spiritual. It's easy to be blessed by God. Simply get a prayer life, read your Bible, be faithful, be obedient, and you'll be blessed. God made it so easy. He made, he made, God didn't make this big math quiz and question, well, if you can figure this out, I'll bless you. He simply said, uh, pray, read your Bible, uh, get some spiritual roots, and I'll bless you. God's pretty simple. Let's look lastly at the rescuer here. The rescuer. God's, our text, verse 14, God speaking to the serpent, I will put into me or hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is God rescuing humanity and marriage from Satan and hell. Jesus is the he and Satan is the you in the scripture. So he will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is speaking of about the cross. Jesus on the cross was a powerful blow to the head of Satan and hell. Jesus' bloody body on the cross uh, uh, was the bruised heel. Amen. Jesus came, uh, rescued us, amen, paid the price, broke the curse uh, that was on us that we, they had to live under constantly. Uh, Jesus came, broke this curse, and now says, listen, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm here to bless your life again. Jesus on the cross redeemed us from the curse, Galatians 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse, for it's written, curses of every man who hangs on the tree. What that's saying, Jesus took the curse of Adam, took the curse of Eve upon himself, went to the cross, paid the price, uh, 
And because his blood was shed, God said, I'm going to receive that. Uh, I'll lift the curse, uh, and now you can be blessed. Listen, because of the cross, all we have to do is call upon Jesus. We can be saved, delivered, set free, and restored. It's that easy. Ephesians 1, 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1. He has, re- he has delivered us from the powers of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. In other words, Jesus is our victory. Amen. We need the power of the cross in our life and in our marriage. Uh, we'd be foolish to think uh, we don't need Jesus in our marriage. We don't need the power of the cross in our marriage uh, would be foolish to think that because, listen, without that, uh, without Jesus in the marriage, again, without a prayer life, uh, listen, men, you're going to disobey. Ladies, you're going to be deceived. Uh, we have to have God in our marriage. Uh, we have to get some spiritual roots. We have to pray that this thing's going to be blessed. If you're going through a time in your marriage, pray and ask God to intervene. Then obey and do what he says. How different things may have been, think if Adam and Eve would have just said, let me check in with God first. Let me see what God thinks about this. Because I remember God telling me, don't touch that tree. I remember my husband telling me, stay away from that. That's dangerous. Uh, think how things would have been different if we, if we just simply prayed about things. If we just simply stopped and got a hold of God and prayed, uh, God help me here. Uh, God, speak to me. Think how things would be different in our marriage and in our families. Colossians 1.30. You are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Romans 8.37. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life angels Principalities or powers, things present, things to come, nor heights nor death or any created thing is able to separate us from the love of God. Listen, when you get God in your marriage, uh, listen, everything else seems small. Paul said, I'm convinced nothing can move me if God's in me. If I have this relationship with the Savior, if God's in my life, uh, present God is there, in my, I'm convinced nothing can move me, and that's truth. Listen, don't let the devil mess you up. Men cause you to be disobedient and stumble around for, for years. Ladies, don't let the devil mess you up where you're always deceived, always giving in to gossip. And, and for years, simply because no relationship. Build a relationship with God. I went a little long. I need to close. So I talked about couples, Adam and Eve. Adam rebelled. Eve was deceived, primarily because of no prayer life. Let me ask you, do you have a prayer life? Do you pray? Because if you don't have any prayer, you're not, you know, you're not, you have no humility. I'm talking about marriage. Uh, when there's tension going on, if there's no prayer, there's no humility. Nobody's going to say, okay, I'm wrong, forgive me. Uh, it was me. There'd be none of that. It'd be, ah, put on the gloves. <laughs> I've seen it. There's no reverence for God, and there's no repentance. I ain't saying, I'm sorry, you say it. We bring who we are into the marriage. We can point. Adam and Eve both pointed, or Adam pointed. 
he pointed as well, but Adam pointed at his wife's her. She's the problem. No, Adam, you're not praying. If you're praying and covering her, things may be a little different. I understand she had issues. Let me ask you, do you have any spiritual roots? Do you have a daily thing you do? Pray, read your Bible, study. Do you, is anything daily you're getting in spiritual food here? And three, Jesus came to rescue you and bless your marriage if you let him. Let's bow our heads tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed.